episode number 23 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast, recorded Saturday, May the 11th, 2019. My name's Eric. I'm the host of the show. I'm based in southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio offer, operator, VE3 EPN, and computer geek. I got into preparedness when I was working frontline emergency services and witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events such as ice storms, power outages, etc., I started a small preparedness company to help people get prepared and be able to look after themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Well, greetings from Vancouver Island. My name is Ian, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, reloader, and my farm is designated handyman. Unfortunately, Alan can't join us tonight. He's busy doing a calendar shoot, from what I understand. He, I think he also mentioned something about getting some high heels fixed and how he needed his nap time or something like that, didn't he? That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. I'm... Uh... I'm Joseph. I'm a licensed trapper and hunter, and we run a small hobby farm here in uh, central Ontario. All right, so we've got some uh, waterlogged, and hopefully you brought your water wings along, uh, content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some news articles related to preparedness in the outdoors. Next, we'll be letting you know how we've or improved our preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into our main topic of this episode, a rundown on the Ontario floods. So we'll move into some news articles first. Yeah, so just a quick thing that's uh, relevant on the periphery for preparedness is uh, Bill C-71, which was the uh, Amendment to the Firearms Act, is coming into uh, its third reading on Monday in the Senate, which probably means, of course, it's a liberal-dominated Senate, so it's going to pass, which means it'll probably get royal assent within a couple weeks. So that'll be the, the new law of the land. So I thought I'd give uh, a heads-up to those preparedness-minded people out there for um, those wishing to keep the paper trail low. That's... Uh, Rules will be changing for sure uh, within a couple weeks. Yeah, hopefully, it's nothing too too crazy. Yeah, uh, really we'll find out. Uh, I've got a couple of articles here. Uh, first one is from Edmonton from Global News. Uh, it says Edmontonians learn about emergency preparedness at annual event. So it looks like they had a uh, an emergency preparedness in the park event go on, uh, where people were able to have the opportunity to meet up with local emergency responders. Uh, see what their roles and responsibilities are during an emergency <laughs> event and then uh, speak to them about that. And they also had the uh, opportunity to learn how they can be better prepared themselves for uh, certain emergency events. So it, uh, it was kind of neat to see that, um, the fact that it's starting to, to be uh, an organized event that's happening uh, across the country, from it seems it. But uh, it's, uh, it's making the news. People are coming out and, uh, and checking it out. Uh, it's, uh, it's encouraging to see. I think it's definitely becoming more mainstream, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Slowly, <laughs> Slowly but surely, yeah. Slowly but yeah. surely, yeah, you got it. And there's something here, yeah, it says uh, thousands of people took the opportunity to learn more about uh, the roles of first responders play in an event of a crisis at uh, Get Ready in the Park Saturday. So uh, the fact that they're even saying thousands of people, that's, uh, that's good. Glad to see that lots of people are coming out. Yeah, for sure. And we've got another article here uh, in regards to uh, anybody who's uh, listening that's a firearms type of person. Uh, the Liberals deny uh, Tony Clement's claim about secret plan to uh, ban legal guns. So that's been kind of a, a hot topic the last, uh, last week or so in, re in regards to the Liberals looking to, to ban gun ownership. So I uh, figured I'd throw that in there for you, uh, you gun people that are listening. Um, we'll see what happens. Well, they didn't really deny it either. They just kind of like no. did some talking points. Uh, so Tony Clement put out that uh, speech in, in the House of Commons and he basically just said, you know, I've, I've got it on good authority that you're planning on once the C-71 goes through using one of the clauses that's in there that will allow them to arbitrarily prohibit various classes of firearms. 
And uh, in response, I think it was uh, Ralph Goodale, Ralph Goodale, or was it Bill Blair? I can't remember which one. Uh, it was Bill Blair. Yeah, Bill Blair came didn't, back. Uh, didn't deny it. Yeah, he just said, "Well, you know, we're just concerned about safety of Canadians." That's yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, that's, yeah. So that stoked the fire for quite a quite a few people, and so uh, the internet's been going bananas the last few days. So. I guess, uh, you know, you can't really protest something that hasn't happened yet, but by the same token, though, you got to at least be uh, forewarned is forearmed, I guess. It's, it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Yeah. So let's move into what we've done lately for our preps. So for myself, uh, I'm back uh, practicing the lock picking. Uh, it was, uh, for lack of a better term, I was picking Alan's brain the other night in regards to uh, some locks I was trying to defeat that I wasn't uh, able to successfully defeat the other day. Uh, so he was able to help me out with that. Uh, unfortunately, I threw my back out pretty good, so I was uh, down and out for a few days. Thank God for chiropractors. I'm back. <laughs> boom, boom, she's back. Get it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, side joke. Uh, and uh, I got the front yard all cleaned up today. So it was uh, a whole bunch of leaves and all that garbage floating around the front. Uh, went out and did some raking and some leaf blowing and got the lawn tractor all uh, good to go. All the oil swapped out and all the... We play toys that take oil and gas and uh, ready for the summer. Yeah, back pain is one of those things that you know, until you've had it, you don't quite understand how bad that is. Eh? My, uh, my first run with it, I've never had it before, and it, it wasn't fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not fun. <laughs> no. Um, so for myself, I had a, a meeting up uh, time with uh, Vic Prepper 11 down in Victoria. So that was good to meet up with a uh, semi-local prepper. Um Big day on the farm for us. We had shearing day for the alpacas. So uh, that's where I usually get a bunch of my coworkers to show up and we all pretend to be farmers for the day. And, uh, you know, we get them up on the table, shear the alpacas. And uh, it's a once a year thing, give them their shots, all that stuff, a bit of animal husbandry. It's a pretty fun day, though. Afterwards, we have a barbecue. So um, it's pretty good. But we came up with about, uh, I think I've, right now I've got about seven bags of garbage, uh, garbage bags full of alpaca fiber behind me right now. And then, uh, so that was good. And then one of the people that showed up, uh, Actually, I didn't know she was coming, but she's a big uh, permaculture farmer, and so she was a bit of a permaculture expert, and so we, we picked her brain for a bunch of stuff, and with the uh, promise of some more wood mulch and uh, alpaca poop next time she popped by, because uh, her help that day was really uh, welcome, that's for sure, and also her knowledge was really good, too, so um, good work on the, yeah, good work on the, the local bag group. And the, the photos you sent were great. Yeah, and then so the, uh, the of course, everybody else walked away with a bunch of eggs. <laughs> Because ah. we have tons of those right now. Uh, I mentioned the sunchokes, uh, I think, in the gardening episode, but uh, I made sure I planted those uh, in appropriate places and then uh, picked up some free siding from one of my neighbors to uh, waterproof the chicken coop. So free is good. Free is good. Yeah, free is always better. Yeah, and uh, that's what it for me. Awesome. Uh, well, as uh, far as you got anything? Yeah, we've just been stacking wood for the most part, slowly getting the yard up. I think we only have one more load, and then we're done stacking wood. Be good for next winter. Make That's sure they get extra, nice. though. <laughs> How many cords do you usually go through? Usually 18, but this winter was so long that uh, we ordered 21 this time because we ran out of firewood. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's amazing how fast that, that you go through that stuff. I mean, like, we're not nearly as, as harsh as you guys, but we went through probably almost double what we normally do uh, just because it, mm -hmm. it wasn't so much the harsh winter, it was just the length of it. It was uh, normally we're like yeah. five months of the year that we run the fireplace, and, and this time I bet you it was closer to seven and a half. I own a chainsaw max and it was dealt with quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, as I'm sure everybody can hear, I 
we got the chicks too going. Yeah, it was good. So you uh, you incubated those. Yeah, we got a, a brand new incubator. One of the ones where it just has a little pump on it and it auto turns the eggs and everything. So that was that was a lot nicer. <laughs> oh, is that those uh, yellow brincy ones, or is that the uh, the white uh, holobater ones? It's uh, it's got a clear door on it. Yeah, brincy. There we go. Yeah, those are pretty cool ones for sure. They're like they're like the Rolls Royce version for sure. Oh yeah. Feels nice. <laughs> <laughs> Takes me a lot of the guesswork when it's got a humidity meter and everything on it. So that, that's yeah. certainly another podcast we can cover <laughs> off the chickens because you could spend hours talking about those too. Oh, oh really? It's, uh, it's on the list for sure. <laughs> 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 All right, how about we move into the main topic? Uh, so main topic of the show for today is the flooding in Ontario. So we've got uh, I got some questions for you, Joseph. Don't mind okay, uh, okay. maybe answering them for the listeners. For sure. So, so. I, I guess first off, we should start off with, um, was the actual flood in your area, was it just caused by rain or did any sort of mechanical failures happen with the uh, local dams or, you know, flood control measures or anything else? Like, what was the actual root cause? Um, the, the root of it was the massive snow we got this year because there was more than any other year. And then we had just solid weeks of rainfall. So between the snow melting and all this extra rain all at once, it all flooded everywhere <laughs> lots of roads were closed and everything oh, that's crazy wow. well, this is all mainly just mother nature then right yeah yeah wow. she's uh off her pills this year <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go <laughs> uh, so uh, what were you seeing in your area as the flood warnings came in and uh, the water started rising um Lots of roads all of a sudden were underwater or non-existent. <laughs> and wow. then uh, a lot of inside Huntsville, uh, a lot of the town squares and everything saw flooding. Uh, I know South River, about 40 minutes north of us, their dam was overflowing like within days. <laughs> and yeah, you mentioned the uh, the impassable roads. Like how many feet of water are we talking? Like one, two, three feet or... Um, over over uh, the road closest to us, we got about two feet deep. So you basically, if you don't have a snorkel, you're pretty much out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not fun to drive through. <laughs> well, no, and even in think most cars, that'd be coming inside the door jam, too. I mean, uh, after yeah, they, were, they actually had to park two big snow plows in front of where the water was because people kept trying to drive through it in their little cars, and they'd get stuck, and they'd have to pull them out. <laughs> Uh, you, like, you can't fix stupid. No, like, apparently not. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just trying to home make a cable ferry and just kind of drag yeah. it across or something. But yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, you know, it depends on what's going through your head at the time. Maybe you're thinking I can make it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you can't see the bottom through the water either, so you don't know if yeah. it's three inches or two feet. But true, yeah. but if there's two or three cars already in there stuck, well, uh, call think. that clear. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you, uh, you and your family end up leaving or did you stick around? No, luckily we're on a hill, so we didn't have much flooding around our place. Tell you though, the, the gullies we have for draining around our house, they were, they were pumping water like no tomorrow. Wow. Uh, did you guys change anything uh, to stay functional while the roads were uh, impassable? Um, yeah, actually, because that road beside us, or I guess not beside of it, beside us, but it's our main road to get to the nearest town. 
So when it closed down, we had to go to the next town over, then onto the highway, then back up to town. <laughs> oh, wow. So a 15-minute drive turned into a 40-minute drive. Yeah, but it pays to know all the different side roads and alternate routes you could potentially take, right? Yep, it does. No, that's where those back road, uh, back road maps books come in handy for sure. Absolutely. So the as far as that goes, so you said your house was up on a hill, so no flooded basements or anything else. Like your your house didn't personally affect you at all. No, we didn't. We didn't have any more water than we usually would right around the house. I know uh, down our road though there was a, quite a few washouts. Our road it wasn't wide to begin with, but once it started washing it away, it got pretty narrow. Hmm. So with the with the washed out roads there, were you guys uh, isolated at all or? Or were you able to still kind of freely move about? For the most part, there's enough back roads. I think most people, uh, including us, could get around one way or another. There was there was definitely some heavy detouring, though, if you wanted to get anywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. Again, back to the back roads maps, right? Yup. Oh, well, yeah. We had to know where you were going. <laughs> and even, yeah, even practicing the alternate routes, not just having the map, too. Because if, if you don't have time to stop and look at a map, it's, it's another thing, too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's better to have the the map already ingrained in your head, so you know where you're going before <laughs> beforehand. Yeah. So uh, I guess the main question here is, what did you discover? What your plans or preparedness? Uh, uh, I guess plans in general, for for lack of a better term, did you, something clearly obvious come at you when this started up? We were definitely making sure uh, that everything was good in case you know water did start coming through. So, like, any wood we had was coming in the house as much as we could fit in so that the wood was staying dry if we needed it. We were had the camping stoves and everything ready for if the power went out. We were just kind of moseying about doing what we could. Hmm. Like, did you, so did you find you were missing any equipment or, like, not enough propane for your liking for the camp stoves or anything like that? Um, we had enough to get us... To get us for a while, like probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess at a week. We don't have a whole lot of propane, so we definitely want to stock some more of those up just just on the off chance. Other than that, though, um, like we'd like to have some more water stored up, uh, some more filtered water just in case because we don't have a whole, lot of, a whole lot of bottled water. I mean, we still have quite a bit, but, you know. It's always better to have more than more than what you need. <laughs> well, that's for sure. Because I mean, like, yeah, you got water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink, right? Because it's not filtered. It's all probably murky and muddy, and who knows what it's got in for pollutants. I mean, so that's a really valid point to have bottled water nearby in case of oh, a yeah. flood. Yeah, they're already talking about how they're uh, they're closing some of the lakes because they have to test the water before people can swim in them because they have no idea what was in all this flood water. Oh, yeah. everywhere. I mean, you think one, one submerged vehicle and you've got all sorts of oils and gas and everything else getting plugged into the water. So, uh, oh, yeah, and that's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Most people wouldn't really think about that, right? You're just thinking, well, yeah, there's water around. I'll just, you know, <laughs> I'll grab a life straw or I'll grab a filter. I'll filter it and I'll, I'll be good. But there's a lot of potential chemical contamination that's going on. Well, yeah. And a life straw is good, but I, I don't want to test the chemical rating <laughs> on it myself. Yeah. <laughs> It's no good for chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> don't want that. Uh, let's see. 
And how timely was the uh, the military assistance? I know uh, military was eventually uh, deployed out your way to help with uh, sandbagging. Yeah, there was a couple thousand troops going down to uh, Gracebridge, and uh, I was reading reading an article. There was some in Ottawa and everything. There was, I think, a couple thousand in each, all filling sandbags. Without their help, uh, the the bigger cities definitely would have been would have had a lot bigger issue on their hands. Oh, here. How soon uh, did they come out, you know? I don't know for sure, but I think it was right as soon as the emergency was declared, which yep. was within a couple days. So it was it was pretty quick. Oh, good. Well, that's awesome to hear, actually. Um, just as part of the military response, just kind of a side question. Did they set up any sort of public shelters for anybody that may have been isolated from their house or a house flooded out or anything else? I know uh, in the bigger cities... Well, I say bigger cities, but they're really not that big. Um, Huntsville uh, and Bracebridge and uh, I think North North Bay have some. I can't remember now, but all those kind of cities had multiple shelter, shelters set up for all the, all the flood victims. And then uh, whoever wanted to take in people was doing that as well. So it was good to see the community and everybody chipping in. Awesome. Was there a lot of uh, the community involvement as far as bringing people in? Yeah, there was lots of volunteers filling sandbags. There was everybody was going to their buddy's place if they couldn't stay at their house. It's pretty tight knit family up here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was really good to see. Uh, any uh, any interruption in in cell service at all? Um. Not a whole lot. There was one smaller town about 10 minutes down from us. Um, uh, uh, they have a little hydro station there uh, that's hooked up to a bell tower, and all their breaker boxes and control panels were actually underwater. Oh, yeah, so those two things shut everything down <laughs> <laughs> wow. for, for quite a few days, as far as I know, too. Uh, do you hear of anybody finding any kind of workaround solutions for the cell system being down? Not that I've heard of. I think uh, Bell was mentioning something about it, about how they were going to start looking at it and uh, coming up with ideas for flood prevention. And how good to hear. Well, that almost sounds like a, a solid case for ham radio, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah for sure. <laughs> Absolutely does. Yeah. yeah it's some, of the, some of the main repeaters are on towers that cell, uh, cell systems use as well. So there's the potential that the repeater systems could go down as well. But if you're a ham operator, you can set your own up pretty quick. So there's Yeah, there's even YouTube videos on field expedient repeaters with a couple of bell things. Or uh, mm -hmm. even if it's short range, just to talk to somebody across town, it's, you know, if you don't have cell service and uh, it's still yeah. something, right? Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. Even little walkie talkies. Are better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, quick question: Are there any lessons to be learned on maybe like a, a bug out bag or like a you know kind of grab and go bag for stuff like this? Uh, um, uh, I would definitely say uh, one of those like cheap, um, like hazmat suits, the cheap little plastic ones you get in uh, Canadian Tire there, and some duct tape is a good thing to carry if you're in a high water area. Because like we were talking about before, going through that flood water, you, you have no idea what's in there, right? So just to kind of 
protect yourself a bit better. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, even poopy would probably be one of the, the least of your concerns. I mean, if it got really bad, like you think of what happened down in Southeast Asia during tsunamis and stuff, I mean, there'd be bodies in there, there'd be everything. So not that this was that bad, but I mean, still. Well, yeah, this was, this was pretty mild on the scale of things, but yeah. definitely something to look at. Yeah. Uh, so last minute supplies that came up that you guys kind of found yourself short on, like clothing needs, or did you maybe want to scramble to get that USB drive before you ran out of the house or anything? Was there anything learned there? Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely trying to get more organized. Everything gets lost in the abyss pretty easy. So <laughs> it's a slow process, but we're getting there. <laughs> definitely, uh, as far as clothes and stuff go, we don't have any big bags inside the house they're all out in sheds and stuff which we didn't think of of course till after the flooding happened so luckily it didn't hit us but you know when you only have one change of clothes for the next two weeks <laughs> yeah they, they can talk yeah. really fast doesn't it yeah really you can only flip your underwear around so many times right yeah <laughs> um, would you think that maybe repositioning a vehicle outside the fun zone would, would maybe help out at all Absolutely. Um, me and my mother were discussing it actually today about uh, how even if some people had of like parked their car in their neighbor's yard or a couple houses down the road where it's just up on the hill and it's not going to get flooded or whatever flooding is there is so mild it doesn't matter kind of deal or wherever wherever high ground you could put it would um, would definitely improve things. Because a short jaunt to your car is a lot better than being stuck at your house for however many days. Oh, yeah. Actually, just out of curiosity, you mentioned the uh, cell phone towers, like one of them being a, a, with an issue there, and also I guess maybe with some power issues. Like, was actually having actual cash with you an asset, or was it still still able to use debit cards and stuff? Um, there was enough business open that you could still use cash or debit. Um, wherever you were going pretty well there was only a couple gas stations i think that went underwater so there was still there was still quite a few of them around um cash wasn't wasn't a huge issue uh for this one but i would definitely plan for it if anything got bigger <laughs> that's good to know yeah so uh as, as far as gas goes and, and uh, besides the ridiculous amount that it's costing everybody right now, uh, did supply become an issue at all? Um, no, like, like I said, only a couple went underwater, so there was still enough to go around that uh, nobody was really packed or couldn't get a hold of gas. And a lot of people here um, have jerry cans in the garage too. I know we have six or seven all full of gas just in case. So, sounds, sounds like they were seeing one of our earlier episodes. Yeah, luckily, people have some brains to, to yeah. do that kind of stuff, right? So you're not totally pooched. <laughs> and actually, yeah, I was kind of curious because with all the volunteers coming in to help in the military and anything else, that might put extra pressure on like a, a reduced number of gas stations. Thought maybe that might come up, but that's good to hear that it was able to keep up. Yeah. Well, yeah, in Bracebridge, I know they were pretty flooded. I don't know what all went underwater down there, but uh, they – they have enough business that I'm sure they didn't have a, a whole lot of an issue. Cool. So uh, did uh, good neighbors come into play at all or like a sense of community come in, like when you guys all met up with each other and kind of helping each other out? Absolutely. Um, between all the volunteers, which were all local people, 
going in and helping everybody fill sandbags, uh, helping deliver sandbags, you know, letting the flood victims come and stay at their house until uh, the victim's house was non-flooded, <laughs> was livable again. Yeah, I, know, I mean, certainly comes and to then, uh, Even in Huntsville, there was lots of people that got stuck in their cars. Um, and so people with boats were actually going along and picking up all wow. these drivers that were stuck in the water, which was oh, really no good to see. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was cool how everybody's so tight-knit in small towns, eh? Well, I think it's certainly a, a different uh, case than what we'd see in a bigger town, that's for sure. That's nice to see and nice to hear about. Mm-hmm. That is. I mean, everybody's got idiots, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably less per, per capita. In the yeah, yeah, town. we have less per capita here, so... <laughs> Okay. I got a, a politically charged question for you. So okay. uh, if you don't want to answer it, just let me know. Um, was uh, was Trudeau's famous photo op visit uh, helpful at all? You know, did, it, did it actually help uh, public awareness of the event? Not at all. Everything I read and heard was <laughs> pretty harsh on the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, understandably, because he comes in with this big film crew and they had to shut down this big area. And uh, as far as I know, he only helped fill like five sandbags uh, with the family. But I mean, it's nice to see him out and helping out. But this big zone that they had to clear off held up so many people from getting sandbags quicker. So all of a sudden, you know, at that point, the more time you spend getting sandbags, the more time, the more your house is getting destroyed. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, see, my original hope was that he would maybe hope, uh, you know, raise public awareness, get some more volunteers moving or, you know, with the areas. But yeah, it sounds like it was just a disaster, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, kind of funny because we later heard about uh, Andrew Shear being there. And uh, we d- didn't even know till after the fact. He didn't bring a camera crew or anything, but he was there for quite a few hours um, oh. filling sandbags. So it was good to see. Cool. Um, um so just on the local level, like how involved were the emergency services, meaning like police, fire, ambulance and such uh, at the beginning and end? Because like were they visible constantly, like doing 18-hour days or they kind of disappear and kind of stick with their own families or how did it work in, in general? Um, we didn't see them a whole lot up here, but it was still everybody hands on deck. Like the flooding in the town closest to us wasn't wasn't as bad, right? So they were hitting where the flooding was worse and... Uh, yeah, they were a great help between enforcement and fire department. And then, of course, the ambulances with anybody that was being pulled out of uh, ruined buildings or out of their cars or whatever the case is, right? Well, that's awesome to hear because, you know, after a while, you'd think fatigue would set in and they'd be like, ah, oh, I just can't do anymore. But no, oh, I'm sure there was lots of that going around. Yeah. <laughs> everybody had- was, like I said, everybody was all hands on deck doing oh. what they could. So. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. Uh, as far as warning goes about the flooding, uh, how did it come in? Like, was it just like typical, like we would all think over news and TV, or, or were there other sources that you had for, for warning that uh, this is starting up? There was some some like couple months early predictions that we'd have high flooding, but of course, when you're used to looking at the Weather Channel, where the weather's never what it's supposed to be. <laughs> everybody yep. everybody kind of fluffed it off, right? And uh, 
and then all of a sudden it happened and it happened so quick there was there was no real warning it was uh the water's here and getting worse so <laughs> get you interesting to hear that there was a, a prediction on the weather network it's uh well they're, they're, yeah. they're kind of like baseball players they're paid to be wrong yeah. about two-thirds of the time but they do the job about a third of the time they're considered good well yeah, yeah. just so you don't expect them to be right they're right of course yeah, <laughs> yeah of course yeah so uh, actually, uh, just to, to clarify, I, I we kind of touched on it briefly, but did you actually guys ever lose power in your personal house or anything? Or, and if so, how long was did it take to get restored? Uh, we didn't lose power. Um, I know there was some houses around, and of course, Katrine lost power. Um, and it was, I think, four days, five days, I think, was the average. Okay. So well, not, not horribly long, but still a while. Yeah, still probably a pain in the behind for sure oh yeah oh, yeah for sure but yeah we were lucky enough not to lose power okay uh, so what's what's one message that you'd want everybody who's listening to hear in regards to the being prepared for a flooding event is there like a, a main message you want to put out um it was funny actually because there was a, a facebook post when all this all this come around or a comment i should say and uh, they were asking who to call when they were stuck in their house. And my message is that if it's bad enough, you're going to get stuck in your house, just leave. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But uh, definitely, you know, have a bug out bag or, or even a bare minimum bug out bag in your vehicle or anything, because a lot of the flooding happened when people were at work too. So, you know, all of a sudden you get stranded in your vehicle and they can't come get you for a couple hours because they're off getting everybody else. You know, it uh, it all yeah. adds up. So definitely oh, good point. be prepared on the go. <laughs> and kind of know your limit and, and kind of get an yeah. idea of so when it's time to go and actually don't be stubborn and go. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't wait to plug up emergency services because they've got other people to deal with. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah backlog for sure i mean it's just mm -hmm. not meant to cover extreme events like this at all so uh actually a double-sided question i think eric and i will handle each half but uh is there any gear in your preps that you thought maybe would be useful but you end up not using like you know like we all pack you know various bug out bags with all sorts of random equipment but you don't always need them right yeah um anything off the top of my head i Definitely would have liked to put more waterproof matches in my bag. <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, yeah, it's a lot harder to start fires with wet wood, <laughs> which is Fair enough. definitely something we thought about. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I have a pretty low scale bug out bag, so I probably need quite a bit of gear to begin with. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm going to add some more waterproof matches to mine. I've only got uh, one box right now, so I might, I might up yeah. that a little bit. Well, even yeah. a small scale bag is better than nothing too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, these little waterproof containers you can get on eBay or whatever, right? You know, those, those come in handy in such situations. Or even trash bags if you got nothing else. <laughs> yeah, something's better than nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, was there any gear in your preps that uh, like significantly helped during the event? Um, not a whole lot, just because it didn't hit us as hard. But if I were to go from the perspective of somebody who who did get hard with it, um, I don't know. I, I'd probably say a 
spare change of clothes or a couple and uh, any kind of waterproof containers or bags you have for sure. <laughs> Do well, yeah. Anything from like uh, yeah, electronics to you know cash, whatever. Everything everything needs to be kept out of, out of the water, right? Well, yeah, that's it. You know, you all of a sudden have to walk through this water, and you've got nothing to put your your phone or whatever electronics you have in, and uh, there goes your your communications if you don't have any little walkie talkies or nothing. Well, that's awesome. That's a that's a whole lot of um, that's a whole lot of information you've given us for sure. That's <laughs> right. Uh, is, there, is there anything else that you'd want to uh, to add in that we haven't uh, questioned you on or, or thrown out there? I um, can't think of anything off the top of my head, but uh, definitely just going over, you know, if there's, there's flooding happening and you know it's happening, don't stay in your house and wait for it if you know you're in a flood zone. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, move while you can. <laughs> especially nowadays, like a lot of these uh, bigger cities, when they're trying to expand and, and do infill, they're they're building on these hundred-year floodplains, which you know, ninety-nine years out of hundred is fine, but that hundredth year, it's it's gonna flood. <laughs> well, that's just it, right? And like, I want to say, people were caught off guard, but we weren't hugely caught off guard either. Like, it happened quick, but there was definitely some pre-warning. We all could have listened to uh, ourselves included. Cool. Get to know. Okay, so we'll move into the podcast challenge. All right. So for this uh, this episode, we just want to make sure you just take a hard look around your home and identify any flooding weakness that is present. Maybe just think about addressing it, whether it be a sump pump in your basement, uh, maybe it needs to be changed out or replaced. Um, and you know any sort of uh, weakness you might have, even if it's just boiled down to bad windows, bad uh, you know caulking around the edges of the windows to make sure it's a little more rainproof. Just see what you can do to uh, improve your flood preparedness. And then when you do uh, do the walk around your house and identify some points of weakness, uh, flip us an email at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, let us know what you found, and then uh, we can share it with everybody else. Just uh, that way you can get it out there because you, you may have found it, but somebody else may have missed it when they were walking around their place, and they're able to go back and, and double-check something. So flip well, us an email, let us know what you did. It's definitely something you know, we might not have even thought of it too, right? Like, I mean, for us around here, it's the weeping towels. You got to make sure they stay clear to make sure they, they drain properly and stuff. And yeah, it, it may not even come to uh, to some people. So yeah, the more, uh, I guess, awareness we have, the better. Absolutely. Well, yeah, the more things you're prepared for, the less caught off guard you are. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's move into episode closing. So we've got uh, some upcoming events. Uh, so we've still got the uh, annual Preppers Meet in Desborough, Ontario coming up. That's uh, July 11th to the 14th. Uh, check out annualpreppersmeet.com. Grab your tickets. Uh, it's a great event. There's all kinds of instructors and, and people that come out and, and teach a wide variety of topics. Uh, lots of knowledgeable people. It's a great, uh, great couple of days to, to spend with a whole bunch of like-minded people. Um, so come out and, and check it out again. That's the uh, annual preppers meet July 11th to the 14th. All right. So we got the uh, Western Canada hot springs meet, uh, less than two weeks away now, May 25th and 26th. It's the weekend after the May long weekend. It's at uh, slow cut hot springs, couple uh, links in the show notes on how to get there and what it is, what it's all about. So a little bit of a campcraft discussion and meetup for like-minded people. Uh, so far it seems we've got about half a dozen people showing up, so that should be good. Nice. And uh, so if you need to find it, it's on the uh, maps.me app. You can look it up on there. Um, also July 6th, uh, the podcaster charity shoot, Drumheller, Alberta. 
So you don't have to be a podcaster to show up there. Everybody's welcome. Uh, Planet Vince, our Maple Seed course, actually on the 5th of July, the Maple Seed course is just like a 22 marksmanship course, and you get a little uh, marksmanship badge if you finish it. Uh, Stop the Bleed course on the 6th, as well as the shoot. And also, most importantly, a pig roast. So they're doing actually like a full-on pig on a spit. And uh, yeah, so the, their tickets are available via the Facebook page, which is the 9th Annual Podcaster Charity Shoot. Um about 40 bucks for the charity shoot, 40 bucks for the, the pig roast, which includes like all the pork you can eat and a bunch of other stuff. And all the proceeds go to the Big Country Anti Violence Association. So that uh, should be a good one. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Right, let's move into some shout outs. So I've got uh, Chris Gilmore here. Uh, he was on a couple of episodes ago with us. Uh, he's got the Survive the Storms uh, online preparedness course that he runs. He's offered us a 50% off coupon. So if you uh, throw in the uh, coupon box there, if you're going to go and, and order his course, uh, throw in the, the coupon code CPP50. Uh, so it's CPP50. That'll give you 50% off the course. Uh, that is, of course, not to be confused with the original CPP being the uh, Canadian Patriot podcast. Uh, but that's uh, the code that he gave us for the uh, Canadian Prepper podcast. Excellent. Yeah, so you, Joseph, you did that course, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we did. And actually, just as we're uh, hitting some of the points, he was talking about flooding. Um, not to spoil too much, but it was kind of funny how it all coincidence together. So uh, the course definitely came in handy during all this, all this massive rain and flooding. That's good to hear. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, do you have any shoutouts at all, Joseph? Um. I was definitely going to shout out Chris for sure because that, like I said, that course came in handy. And then a shout out to all the volunteers and emergency services, and uh, the military and everything that came to came to help out, and uh, put gave us their all because it helped a lot and made everything go quicker. That's awesome. awesome. Uh, for myself, I got uh, Vic Pepper Eleven. Thanks for the nice visit. Uh, it was always nice to meet up with the local guy. Um, also, listener Brad. So uh, he actually, I met him on uh, Canadian Gun Nuts, and uh, turns out he just got back from the Huntsville area when I was talking to him. So he spent a bunch of time there filling sandbags, and uh, I just wanted to say thanks for his service. Awesome. All right, let's move into some email and iTunes reviews. So as far as email goes to uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca, we're still at goose egg. We haven't had any in a couple of episodes. <laughs> starting to wonder if the email's broken. Not going to lie. I sent a test email from another email account of mine to it. It still works. So <laughs> flip us an email. Come on. Let us know uh, what you like, what you don't. Uh, as far as iTunes reviews, we've got a couple of those. So I know people are still listening. Uh, we've got one from May the 7th from uh, Barnsky, uh, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. I apologize, but uh, it's it's a four-star. So we've got two four-stars now. <laughs> and, it, and it's pointed right directly at me. I actually got a good chuckle at the pre-show. Uh, so it's actually titled for Eric. It goes, a great podcast. Uh, this one's for Eric. So he stops fretting about only having one four-star review. <laughs> See, be careful what you wish for, right? Oh, hey, I don't know if I was exactly fretting, but uh, okay. <laughs> all right. <Apparently>, we, <laughs> we, we've got two four-star reviews now. So, uh, And then from May the 10th, uh, we've got a review, a review here from GTI Dave. Uh, 
and it's uh, titled Preparedness Canadian Style. It says, a solid information discussion from a Canadian perspective, presented in a well-organized and friendly manner, easy to follow, with only the occasional audio glitch. I keep getting harped on with the audio glitches today. It, it, it's the internet, is what it is. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. So, And we got five stars from him. So uh, we're at uh, 19 five stars and two four stars, but don't don't worry about those little guys. I'm going to carry on with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as uh, Podbean goes, no uh, no reviews on there. Um, so you can uh, leave reviews there as well if you'd like. And again, uh, uh, no emails to the uh, feedback or prepper podcast on CA. So I guess with that, um, I'll bring episode number 23 of the uh, Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out and take a few minutes and submit a review. Uh, it helps other people find us, and you can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca. And then, of course, uh, we record these shows on YouTube live chats. So if you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Island Retreat. And uh, make sure you click that notifications tab so that you know when we're putting up videos. Um, that'll make sure you, you know. And then uh, you can contact me directly by my, uh, by my email on uh, crackerminer at gmail.com if you have any questions about the flooding, of course. Uh, I will definitely get to those as quickly as possible. Awesome. Uh, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com. You can also find me giving my me my find me giving me my two cents worth on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you will find us exposing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd tactically driven conversation, and airing our grievances online versus at the local pub. All right, please uh, check out Rapid Survival at uh, rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there in the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear. Uh, you can also email me. Remember, I'm, I'm getting lonely on the email. Please send a few. Uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, and Joseph, just a quick thank you very much for, for coming on this evening and letting us know your experiences. I know uh, anybody else listening is going to gain uh, a lot of information from uh, from you going through this and the information that you've been able to provide. So it's, uh, it's greatly appreciated. Do what little bit I can. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us. And you can tune in next episode. Hopefully, Alan will be done with uh, Wax On, Wax Off, and uh, he'll be covering lockpicking with us. So until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>